0: Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We pray that the Lord speaks to you as you hear from his word
1: today. I wanna invite you to imagine a giant treasure chest. Not just a small chest that a little girl would put her earrings in on her nightstand, but a huge pirate treasure chest, bigger than any suitcase, uh, bigger than any piece of luggage you've ever owned or that you've ever seen. It's the kind with the iron hinges. It's the kind with the big, thick clasp, this kind of a treasure chest. Now, imagine that the treasure chest is right in front of you, and inside is everything you have ever hoped to get out of life. Maybe it's something that you lost, that you would love to get back. Maybe it's something that you've never had, but you've always wanted it in life. Maybe it's a thing. Maybe it's a place. Maybe it's a person. Uh, But it's something that you've been looking forward to or that you have missed, and that you would love restored to your life. For some of you, maybe it's a child. Maybe you lost a child when he or she was a baby. Uh, Maybe they were young. Maybe they were an adult. Uh, Maybe it was during pregnancy. And you would give anything. You would give everything you have to be able to see that child again. For some, maybe it's a parent, you've lost a parent, you were close to your dad, you were close to your mom, and you'd give anything to be able to open up this huge treasure chest and to have your mom or dad walk out and enjoy one more day with you. Maybe for some, it is a grandparent. Uh, Maybe it's a friend that you lost to death. Maybe it's a friend that you lost to a disagreement. And, And if you could only open the treasure chest and have that friendship back, have what you had in the past, you would feel as though a big part of your life had been restored. Maybe it was your career. Maybe it was a business that you tried to start. Or or maybe it was your reputation. You used to have a good reputation, but you made a mistake. Or someone lied about you and ruined your reputation, and you'd give anything to open up the treasure box and to have your reputation back. Maybe it's your youth. With every winter, you feel the ache in your bones a little bit more. And with every Super Bowl, some of us are reminded that we will never play in a Super Bowl. We'll never be the starting quarterback. And, and so you'd give anything to have your youth back. Maybe it's your sharp mind or your childhood. You, you, your childhood was robbed from you for some reason, and you would love to have your childhood back. Maybe it's a vacation dream you've always had. You keep telling your friends and family, I'm gonna go here or we're gonna go there, but for every passing year, you haven't yet gone there and you'd love to be able to open that box and have that vacation waiting for you. Maybe it's a financial dream or an educational dream. You've been planning to get that degree for years, but life hasn't made it possible Maybe it's a sexual desire that you thought would be fulfilled when you were married or you thought would be fulfilled in life, but it wasn't fulfilled, and so you wait. Maybe it was your child's early years. I was thinking just yesterday, I sat on my couch and trying to think, what would be in my box? What is it in life that I would love to get back or something that I feel like has lost or, or maybe losing presently? And I was thinking about the age of my kids. Right? I was sitting right beside where our Christmas tree is to know that in less than two and a half years, a little over two years, our oldest is gonna be going off to college. And just to remember, I know that that the Lord has a plan, but you know, going through school and seminary and working two jobs, I'd give anything to have some of those years back, whenever they were little. So what's in your treasure chest? Maybe your child is still at home, but you feel like you've lost their heart. Maybe it's a home or a house you lost for some reason or another. Maybe it's a marriage that you lost to divorce or maybe you're still married but you feel like your partner doesn't love you like they used to love you and you would love to open up that box this month, Valentine's Day, and open up the box and find a renewed love, renewed spark in your marriage. Maybe it's a pet. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's innocence. Maybe it's some satisfaction in life that you've never had. It's an addiction or some anxiety. Maybe it's just you'd love to open up the box and find things the way they used to be. You know, the older we get, I'm told by those older than me, the older we get, it's gonna only get worse. You know, we wish that Charleston was the way it was when we were growing up, or we wish our favorite stores were the way they were, or our jobs, or even our church. Churches change. Whatever it is that you say, oh, if I could only open up the box but it's lost. It hasn't yet been restored to me. We probably need to get transparent here at the very beginning of the message. Life is brutal. Life is brutal. We are all in the process, think of this, we are all in the process of losing everything we have and everyone we love. We are all in the process of life of losing everything we have and everything that we love. You say, boy, Pastor Matt, I am so glad I came to church today. What an encouragement this is. Well, it's it's important that we deal with reality first. Thinking about what G.K. Chesterton said, we all feel the riddle of the earth, the clouds and curtains of darkness, the confounding vapors. These are the daily weather of this world escapism won't fix it right doesn't matter how prosperous we are we can't we we can't cover it with prosperity because the hurt is still there and no matter how much pleasure we indulge in we can't hide the pain because the pain is still there no matter how much success we may experience we'll never hide the pain there's none of alcohol in the closet to cover up the pain escapism will never fix the issue So what hope do we have? What hope, what message could I give you this morning that would provide any hope over all the things that you've lost? I'm confident that we find it in Revelation 21. I'm gonna invite you to turn there with me. Revelation chapter 21, the words will also be on the screen. Let's see what hope God has for all the things that we've lost. I invite you to stand with me. Out of respect for God's word, Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. And then I saw heaven, a new heaven, and earth, a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, "'I am making all things new.'" This is the word of the Lord, you may be seated. God wants to restore everything life has taken from you. God wants to restore everything life has taken from you. There's our main point today. This is our bottom line. This is what I'd love for you to memorize, write down. If you're a note taker, the notes are in your bulletin. But it, if you're not a note taker, God wants to restore everything life has taken from you. Now, it's important to qualify this when I tell, make this statement because he's not talking about life now. There are some that we call prosperity preachers. They preach a prosperity gospel that would love this phrase, and they would love to tell you right now on this earth, God wants to restore everything life has taken from you. He wants to do it this afternoon, if only you had enough faith, they say. Well, the problem with much of their theology is timing. I don't disagree with everything that they say, but I disagree with all of their timing for they wanna make you think that God promises this on the earth now. Well, the problem is God doesn't promise this on the earth now. The message of the Bible for Christians who wanna serve Jesus many times is this, cheer up, things are gonna get worse. <laughs> cheer up, things are gonna get worse. You wanna be more like Jesus. His trials that make you like Jesus. But there's coming a day at the end of time This is not a prophecy message, and so if you're a graphs and chart kind of person, this isn't the message for you. We're just talking about at the end of time, when eternity begins, when Jesus returns, when all things are made new, at that time, God wants to restore everything life has taken from you. This is the whole theme of the Bible. It's the grand finale of the gospel. Russell Moore writes this. All of Christian theology points toward an end, an end where Jesus overcomes the satanic reign of death. And here's the word, restores God's original creation order. This is not simply tacked on to the gospel at the end. It is instead the vision toward which all of scripture is pointing and the vision that grounds the hope of the church and the individual believer We've been talking about the 10 words of the gospel. God creates, sin breaks, Jesus saves, Jesus transforms. And now this morning for the last and final message, we're going to see that God restores. This is the ultimate end of the gospel message. God wants to restore everything life has taken from you. Now, why should we believe that? Why is it so important that we believe that on a February Sunday? Quickly, I'm gonna give you four reasons why God wants you to believe that and why I want you to believe that as well. Number one, believing this statement impacts how we view heaven and earth. Believing this statement impacts how we view heaven and earth. Notice Revelation 21, verses one and two. Again, he says, "'Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth,' And later on in verse two, he says, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Chapters 21 and chapter 22 of Revelation describe the new heaven and the new earth. This week in your devotional time, I would encourage you to read it. They're beautiful places, and we're just getting a glimpse of their reality. But it's important to understand that at the end of time, we don't go up to heaven. But actually, at the end of time, heaven comes down to us. And so our loved ones now who've already passed away, one day, if we, when we pass away, we will, our spirits will go to be with the Lord in heaven. But there's coming a day that we're going to get a resurrected body. And in those resurrected bodies, heaven is actually, we, the church, are going to come down to earth, and heaven and earth are going to be reunited. Three times in the book of Revelation, John makes this point. At the end of time, heaven comes down to earth. At that moment, the earth is renewed. The word new in Revelation 21 is the word for renewed. It means to be renewed in nature or renewed in quality. There are other Greek words that mean to create something out of nothing, but this is not one of those words. This word refers to something that already exists that God renews. We Will be renewed. The earth will be renewed. Renewed. In Second Peter chapter three, this week, if you're studying a little bit more on this subject, you might read Second Peter chapter three. The early part of that chapter describes this renewal similar to the days of Noah's flood. And Peter makes this point. He says, just as water covered the earth and renewed the earth, the water didn't destroy the earth, but it, Noah's flood it, dis- it renewed the earth so will one day fire renew the earth that we call home. So God is going to take our current earth and renew it to make it a new heaven and a new earth. I've heard it sung and I have sung it, sang it, whichever. The world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. That makes for good singing here in Appalachia. And I grew up in bluegrass gospel music, and I still like it. The problem is that phrase isn't accurate. This world is your home. You were designed to be on this world. The Garden of Eden was intended to be your home, but because sin broke everything, God will one day have to renew this world, but we will live on the new heavens and on the new earth. Romans chapter 8 and verse 21 The creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. N.T. Wright says this, Early Christians believed that what God was doing, what God was going to do for the whole cosmos, what he had done for Jesus at Easter. Heaven isn't us floating on the clouds for eternity playing harps but we were created, our souls were created to be embodied and we will live on an embodied new earth. What will the new earth be like? There's a little description of it in Revelation 22. I would encourage you to read it. Will there be a new West Virginia? I hope so. A renewed West Virginia, a renewed Italy, a renewed France. Whatever it's like, picture the most amazing day you've ever had on planet earth. Maybe it was hanging out with some friends at the lake. Maybe it was sharing dinner with some friends or family members or another couple at a restaurant late into the night. Maybe it was a vacation you took as a kid and you just wanted the night to last forever. Whatever it was for you, heaven and the new earth is much, much better than that. God wants to restore everything life has taken from you. Why else should we believe it? Number two, Because it impacts how we view the church. It impacts how we view the church. Notice Revelation 21 and verse 2. John writes, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. It It affects how we view the church. Now in context, he's comparing two things here. In one sense, he's comparing heaven and earth uh, to a bride and a groom. He's saying that heaven and earth was intended to fit together, to be one, like a bride and a groom are one. And and so this idea of, of a bride and a groom going to their honeymoon, God says it's going to be like the honeymoon of the earth. Heaven and earth were intended to be together. They're divided right now. They were intended to be together as one. This is Bible prophecy. Men, tonight, whenever you go to bed with your wife, ask her if she wants to model Bible prophecy, okay? It's, uh, it's never mind, that was a lot funnier in my mind than when it came out, but that's the picture, all right? God is being very, very clear. I didn't come up with the image, God did. But there's another picture here where he's actually comparing Christ to the church. Christ and the church are one. That's the goal of the ages that Christ is the bride, we, his church, excuse me, Christ is the groom, we the church are the bride and in heaven we will eternally be together. We will be one. Revelation 21 and nine says, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. So coming down out of heaven, John sees this this new city, the new Jerusalem. It has some kind of impact on Israel. There's a future for Israel, but it's also describing in picture ways the the people of God, the family of God. Galatians chapter three and Galatians chapter four refer to the church as this new Jerusalem. We haven't replaced Israel, but we've been grafted in. We are part of the eternal plan and people of God. This, the church, we will be, renewed. No more death. No more pain. No more tears. Now, if you're new to the church, I want to invite you to just close your ears for a minute. But if you've been in church for any length of time, you know that sometimes even the bride of Christ, even the church, can have troubles. There are times when you may disagree with the person sitting next to you, There are times where you may disagree with a person sitting across the church from you. You don't dare go to the service that they go to. And this is the reality of the world that we live in. We wanna step into those things more and more in the days to come. But the reality is the church will never be made whole until we get to heaven. And that's why John writes about this beautiful day when even the church is healed, the earth is renewed. We also will be renewed. He says in Revelation Chapter 19, verse seven. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Even in the church, God will restore everything life has taken from you. Now, why else should we believe it? There's two more reasons quickly. Number three. It impacts how we view Jesus. It actually impacts how we view Jesus. Look at Revelation 21, verses three and four with me. He says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe the tears from their eyes. By the way, I love that noise. That's the sign of a healthy church. I love that. Heaven and earth. Heaven is heaven because Jesus is there. Heaven is heaven because Jesus is there. He wants to live with his people and has actually wanted to live with his people forevermore. In the Garden of Eden, think with me for a minute. In the Garden of Eden, God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. In the Old Testament, God would meet with his people in the tabernacle and in the temple. The prophecy about Jesus, the big part about Jesus was that it was going to be Emmanuel, God with us. But God has never permanently lived with his people, his presence, physically. He's never permanently done that. Even in Jesus, Jesus lived on the earth for a little over 30 years, but yet even Jesus eventually ascended back to heaven. We have the Holy Spirit, but to be able to see the presence of God won't happen until the new heaven and the new earth. Notice Isaiah 25, verses six through eight. He says, on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines, On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples. The sheet that covers all nations, he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken it. Now think about Jesus. What's your view of Jesus? Does Jesus want to be with you Does Jesus want to be with his people? Let's let him speak for himself. John 14, one through three. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. God wants to restore Everything life has taken from you, and part of that restoration, what makes the restoration possible is that God himself will live with his people. There's one more reason why, this, why it's important to believe this, and this is where we're gonna get to today to conclude our service. Number four, it impacts how we do ministry in our city today. It impacts how we do ministry in our city today. You say, what do you mean? Look with me at Revelation 21 in verse four. It says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Now it's important for just a minute to realize that Revelation 21 four is not a passage about how to do ministry. It's a passage about the character of God in the new heaven and the new earth. So we see that God is merciful, God is compassionate, God is love, God is kindness. Yes, he's holiness, but in this particular instance, he will wipe the tears from our eyes. We can never bring in the kingdom on the earth. We just can't. It doesn't matter how big your budget is. It doesn't matter what nonprofit you work with or work for. We will never bring in the kingdom of God. There's no way, but Jesus alone can do that. But what the point I wanna make as I conclude this service is this, how we do ministry in the city of Charleston actually points to the day when God restores all things. The reason I dare say that we do ministry in the city is to point to the day when God restores all things. Our good works give people a taste of what the gospel is like. So if we believe that at the end of time, yes, God creates, sin breaks, Jesus saves, Jesus transforms, and God restores. If we believe one day that God is going to restore it, we have two choices. We can go to the world, and we can just simply use words, and we can say, this is the gospel, Jesus can save you, he can transform you, he can restore you. And according to God's word, the gospel is enough to lead people to salvation. You have to use words with the gospel, right? But with that said, Jesus often illustrated the gospel words with gospel works. Think about it. Every miracle that Jesus did was to alleviate some kind of suffering. The disabled walked. He had the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the hungry to find food, the thirsty to find water. Over and over and over again, Jesus illustrated the gospel. He gave him a taste of the gospel by good works. This week I was reading in Acts and I counted 40 different miracles in the book of Acts that the apostles did, the leaders of the church did. 39 out of the 40 were done outside of the church house outside of even the the meeting house, 39 out of 40 were done in the community because good works is the greatest way to illustrate the gospel to people who know very, very little about God. I've been asked before, well, Pastor Matt, why would we be so interested in doing city ministry? Feeding hungry bellies, for instance. You know, they're just gonna get hungry again. Shouldn't we devote all of our time to gospel words? Now, that's a good question, but let's think for a minute. Of all the people that Jesus fed, and he fed thousands. We have two instances, 5,000 and 4,000 at least, but Jesus did ministry for three years, and so there were thousands upon thousands that he would have fed. Of all the people Jesus fed, do you think any of them ever got hungry again? Let's think about this. Of all the people Jesus rose from the dead, do you think any of them ever died again? Of all the people that Jesus healed their blindness, do you think they ever went blind again or died again? The answer is yes. Every miracle that Jesus did was temporary, but that didn't keep him from doing it because he believed that the temporary illustration was worth getting people to the eternal gospel. And that's why we at Bible Center are passionate about doing good works. We wanna sketch out in pencil what one day God will paint over with indelible ink. I love the words of Leslie Newbigin who says, "'Jesus gave signs among the rubble, "'and that's what our good works do. "'They give signs among the rubble.'" Matthew 5, 13 says this, "'You are the salt of the earth, "'and if the salt loses its saltiness, "'how can it be made salty again?' It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You, the church, are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bulb, but instead they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your what. Good deeds and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Our good works give people a taste of the good words of the gospel. That's why we wanna be all in for the gospel and for the city. I wanna invite Michelle Thompson, our director of City Ministries, in the few minutes that we have left, She's invited a few of her leaders on her city ministry team. They're gonna join us on the platform, and I've invited them each to share a story of ways that God has used you, and your giving, and your leadership, and your love uh, in the city to reach people with the gospel. So will you join me in just welcoming these ladies to the stage?
0: Good morning. Excuse our confusion. The chairs were all moved. and we had a certain way we were gonna walk in, we're like, "Uh." Um, My name is Michelle Thompson. If you haven't met me before, I am the Director of City Ministries here at Bible Center, and as Matt just said, it absolutely is not about Michelle Thompson. It's what you all have given. Many of you have volunteered with us. Um, What we'd like to do is invite you to pray with us. You know, Jeremiah tells us to pray for the city where we are, for the prosperity of it, um, please join us in praying. At the end of the service, the City Ministries um, leadership team is gonna be all along the front. Um, Donna Petthal has a clipboard, so if you see someone with a clipboard, that is um, our prayer team. Just sign up to pray with us for our city. City Ministries, our goal is to bridge our church to the community with the love of Christ in different ways for, I have them as P's so I can remember them, but we wanna pray for our city first and foremost. We're gonna pray, we're gonna provide, we're gonna provide people's needs. We're going to help them where we can. We're going to partner with other organizations that are already doing great things. One of my best buddies in town is Margaret, the director of Sojourner Shelter. And I know you hear me talk about that, but they are the only shelter in a city this size that um, shelters women and children. And so it's a, they have a special place in my heart. But I always tell her, Margaret, you're the professional at housing people. I just want to help you do the best you can. So we don't wanna compete, we wanna partner. And then if we can't find anyone doing something that we see as a gap, we wanna pioneer. And so these are four of my friends that have served with us in city ministry, and they're each gonna tell you just a little story about some way that they have done one of those four Ps. And there are a lot more of us serving, I just, picked three today, but God is on the move in this city, and there are great things happening. Stay aware. um, Listen to the announcements that are being made. Read your bulletin, and please come and join us. At the end of the service, come forward. Talk to one of the team members um, to volunteer. Just give us your name. If you have an idea, some of the best ideas I've gotten have come from you guys, so if you have an idea, please do that. Um, So as I said, praying is one of the things that is so dear to my heart for this city, but also we're gonna provide. And when I say provide, I think probably the first thing you think of is food, food, clothing, shelter. But this week, Julie had a chance to provide something that God has enabled her to do. This is Dr. Julie De Temple, and she's gonna tell you a story about the warming center, which is um, what the city of Charleston did in collaboration with a lot of partners in the city to keep the homeless people from freezing to death this past week when it was so very cold. Julie?
2: So serving with the Warming Center um, the past couple of weeks uh, was my first um, dabbling in city ministries. And um, when I first saw the call for people, especially medical professionals, to help at the Warming Center, I just kind of felt this nudge that I'm sure was the Holy Spirit that this is something that I should do. Um, When I tried to wrap my brain around it, I thought, okay, what can I do medically for people in a gymnasium? But as God always does, um, he provided many opportunities um when i first walked in i took one of my pa students with me and there was just a sea of faces um in the cafeteria and laying on the cots and we thought okay how are they even going to know what we're up to so we just went from person to person introduced ourselves explained what we were doing we could offer basic medical care and um, one by one people started coming forward Um, we were able to do a lot of great things Um, there was a gentleman who was discharged from the hospital with a pretty severe wound that needed um unpacked, cleaned, repacked um, as we were able to take care of him. We met a woman who thought she was somewhere between four and five months pregnant and had no prenatal care. So we were able to make some calls and follow up with her the next evening and get her to Crossroads where they could get her um, on track for proper prenatal care. Um, I'm, we saw several people with infections and we kind of made a road trip to Rite Aid and got some um, antibiotics and some um, over-the-counter things that we could address their needs. And finally, there were two gentlemen there that I was able to follow up with in my office because they didn't have a primary care provider. So they made their way to me um, the following day um, by bus, and we were able to take care of their needs. So it was very, very rewarding. Um, As many of you know, I've been part of the team um, three different times to go to Togo, West Africa here with the Bible Center Go team. And this was very much put me in the mind of that. I mean, these people did not choose their circumstance. Um, They needed care. They were desperate for care and most of all they were desperate for love So just loving on them and showing them the love of Jesus um, really made a huge difference One of the men that I was able to help in my office He came up to me that same night when I saw him later at the warming station He gave me a huge hug and he said I just can't thank you enough I can't tell you how happy I am that I'm gonna be taken care of so that in and of itself um, you know when you bless others, it's always such a blessing to you Um, I just want to mention quickly that the first night we were there, um, there were a ton of needs that we recognized and Michelle put a call out on Facebook and we shared it on our office uh, Facebook site and many members of the congregation and um, members of the community um, met specific needs, specific clothing needs and blankets and shoes and Um, We just appreciate that so much. It was neat to see how the people at Bible Center very quickly could come together to serve our community. And um, if you haven't participated in the warming station, um, certainly we're going to do it again. Um, I would encourage you to volunteer.
0: That is true. (laughs) One of the men, I think it was the second night we were there, walked in the door in wet socks with slide flip flops. And um, I, w- I happened to be working registration that night. And he said, Do you have any really big shoes, like size 13 shoes? And I said, Well, I'm going go to go and I'm going to check and I'm going to bring you back what I can. I brought him back two pairs of socks and a pair of 12 and a half shoes that um, did fit him. And um, just the excitement over a pair of shoes. You know, how many parents I've tried to decide what y'all would like to see this morning. They don't have that choice. You know, and what a joy. Um, So that's one way that we provided this week, and thank you, Julie, so much for it. She gave hours of her time. Next is Jill, Jill Ash. She is my volunteer director of meal ministries with City Ministries. I could never, like I said, do what I do without my team, and Jill's just going to tell us a little bit about um, how we are actually truly partnering with agencies and organizations in the city.
3: Thanks. Um, There are just so many ways that... um I have connected with Michelle with City Ministries and I've actually been going to church here for about six years and um, I've been helping with coffee and stuff like that my husband and I do that and I love it but when she started um, asking me a few things with City Ministries and getting out there I love it so much and there is such a way and I always say food is fellowship (laughs) so when we can go out there and Michelle the warming station was a good example of um, she said they're going to open the warming station this week, and Margaret just called me and asked if there's any way we could serve the first meal. And she goes, "I said yes, and it's tomorrow." <laughs> so can we get? I'm like, um, "Okay," and it's just one email out to you know how. But we need we do need more help. But we did it, and it was great and so fun. And then when we went to the warming station, um, there was somebody that had asked the late director from the United Way, so what does United Way do exactly? Um, you know, I see you're doing this and, and they said, well, you know, we like to help anyone we can in the community and reach out and, but our, our main goal really is to find organizations that we can partner with and do things with. And she said, for instance, she said, Every time I call Michelle Thompson over at Bible Center, they provide. And she said, that's a partnership. And I was like, wow, I need to tell Michelle that because it's just, it's so true. Because
0: partner is one of our four Ps.
3: Yeah, and that's, so that's why I got to speak today. (laughs) (laughs) She said, oh, that's perfect. Can you do this? But it is, it's, I have a true passion. And I've actually, um, i have went every night with the warming stations the last couple of weeks there's only been four nights and um one of the gals from united way she goes when i showed up the last night she goes oh it's you again she goes i think you've been bitten (laughs) so just by the just the will and just to share jesus with people with um and just the love and just a smile and anyone can help there's such a huge need they you um you know in even if you just don't have the time to provide the food or make something, and you can, you know, donate money. And we're just trying to, and it's new to us. And I'm going to try and, you know, be better about a way to get, you know, show our needs out there. And so if anyone wants to sign up and help us out, and um, it's just helped me and my husband both, just city ministries. Boy, we've done. Um, Habitat for Humanities, we brought a meal over to that, and Clendenin, and and Man'a Meals, that was another one where Michelle gave me two days' notice. (laughs) But it's great, and Bible Center does, always steps up, and it's just such a blessing to be able to be a part of it.
0: One thing I will say, thank you all. One thing I'd like to say really quickly is when Matt asked me about um, talking to you today, of course I was very excited to but I also realized City Ministries is one year old today, this week. Um, so we've only been doing this for a year. And one of the very first places I went when I started meeting people in the city, I had I met with a director of a very large organization in town. And we were going to volunteer to do something. And I said, we've got these really cool four Charlie West t-shirts. We'll wear those. And she was like, uh... Maybe you should wear something that says Bible Center. And the next words impacted me so deeply, because she said, I don't think people know that you care. I know every one of you individually care because now that I've been all through the city and I have no, I get to know all these organizations. You all are sitting on the boards of these organizations, but as a group, the church or the city did not know that our church cared, and now they do. And um, thank you for that, and thank you for supporting us as we do that. Francis Pack is the last person, and the reason I say all that I say about it being a year old is because Francis was the first person that I met with because she has spent her career in that. You can tell them a little bit more about that, but she is a rock star. You walk into a room, if Frances Pack is with you in the city, you already have street cred, as I'd like to say. Um, she she knows her stuff and she is so loved by our city. Um, so Frances, if you'll tell us a little bit about how we're trying to pioneer in city ministries, that'd be awesome. Okay.
4: <clears throat> Thank you, Michelle. Uh, Yes, um, Michelle's amazing, and City Ministries is amazing, and to think of pioneering, what does that mean? Well, one of the first things that we did uh, as a project, and when I met with Michelle, I thought this was a little out of the box, and I think Michelle is a little out of the box, but um, she said, what about we do an appreciation dinner for child protective service workers? And I thought really, I have thought that in my heart for years. I was a school social worker for over 30 years and have made home visits with child protective service workers and I see what they're faced with, made referrals to them. And and so I thought, what an appropriate thing to do. Now, what does that mean? Well, when you connect with a large organization like Department of Health and Human Resources and child protective service workers, they know the needs. They know what's out there. And for us to show them that we really care about them, because they said, they looked at us, because I know these two people, and they, they sort of looked at me, and they looked at Michelle, and they're like, what? You want to appreciate us? You want to show us recognition? Because nobody had ever done that before. Can you imagine the hard job that they have? So with part pioneering in that area, we found our niche there, too. This way we can really see what the needs are. Because when you live in a world where your world is going to work every day and busy with your kids and and all the things that you do, you don't really know what's out there, but there are definite needs in our community. Another thing that we're gonna do in May is we're gonna provide training for professionals for what they call ace overcomers, Adverse Childhood Experiences, which means that there are individuals, both children and adults, that have had some really traumatic experiences in their lives. And maybe some of you have experienced that. Um, I, growing up, didn't, uh, but a lot of our children have. Our education system, uh, our teachers, um, people who work out in the field, They're finding uh, children now, I know this for a fact, uh, working in education, that that they don't know how to respond to this. They don't know what it does to a child to be, or even an adult, to have all these experiences. So this is another way we're pioneering. We're providing training for these individuals. They can get continuing education credit for this. You'll be hearing a lot more about this. Uh, in the next few months, but this is a real pioneering effort, so it's not just giving meals and taking care of medical needs, which is so important, but it's also training those people that are already out there doing this as to how to approach
1: this. Amen. Amen. I'd like us to take a minute and pray for city ministries, pray for our city but also so many who volunteered, I wanna encourage you to jump in, dive in with this team. After the service, they're gonna be lined up across the front. As she said, there's other men and women who are involved. They're gonna be standing at the front. If somebody's standing at the front that looks like they know what they're doing, uh, just come and say, hey, what do you do? How can I jump in or share? And they'll take your information. Let me have the ushers go ahead and join me here at the front. And as the ushers are heading this way, know that your giving makes all this possible. As your pastor, I wanna say thank you. Thank you for giving so generously. Everything they just talked about, of course, takes dollars to make happen. And so as you give week after week, let me encourage you to give. Let us give generously out of what Christ has given to us our giving actually goes to meet real needs. It goes to meet gospel needs and it goes to meet needs here in our city. And so as you, as as a moment as we pass the baskets, you can give in the basket, you can also give online, you can give on the app, but let's give generously this spring so we might be able to do more in our city and reach our world with the gospel of Jesus. Let me pray and then we'll sing. Father, thank you for brothers and sisters who are involved in city ministries. Thank you for Michelle and her stellar leadership. I pray you'd bless her leadership team. God, I pray you'd protect them. Lord, ministry doesn't exempt us from being hurt, and I pray you'd protect them. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as a church to jump in and help this not just to be a department of the church, but help us to be following their lead in the way that we do children's ministry and the way that we do uh, groups ministry, the way we do student ministry. Help us always have it in our minds that there are tens of thousands in Kanawha County who don't yet know Jesus Christ and help us to do all we can to reach them with it. Thank you for this team. Thank you for this church. And God, And we look forward to the day when what we're doing and what we're saying will be a reality when all things are made new in the new heaven and the new earth. Even so come... Lord Jesus, it's in his name we pray, amen.
0: Once again, thank you for joining us this week. We look forward to serving you in next week's podcast, along with our weekend services every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m.